0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio Network. My name is Tom Tall Cunningham, and I'm an inspirational speaker helping people to become resilient and to live positively with the challenges of life. You can find out more about me and in this interview at my website, Tom, the number two, and tall, T-A-L-L.com. Our guest today is Joe Roberts, Skid Row CEO. The most effective leaders in society are those rare individuals who can inspire an audience with a passion that can only come from personal experience. As a president and CEO of an extremely successful multimedia company, Joe Roberts has faced and overcome key business challenges which confront every modern organization joe's business solutions have made millions of dollars for his clients across a variety of business sectors and it's from this experience that joe draws when addressing fortune 500 companies boards of trades and professional associates internationally joe is a canadian like myself he's a college graduate from loyalist college college in ontario he began his professional career making cold calls in the gritting world of photocopier sales, and he found himself quickly promoted into leadership and in a management position with a major audiovisual company. Uh, with a track record of proven business success, Joe formed his own multimedia company, and in less than four years, he led that company to a phenomenal 800 percent increase in business and made his first million before he was 35. What is amazing about this young man, however, is in that 1989, he was living on the streets of Vancouver as a homeless skid row derelict. Through perseverance, determination, and his resilient human spirit, Joe pulled himself out of the darkness and despair to become a highly respected business and community leader today, drawing on the tremendous courage and determination Necessary for this dramatic turnaround, Joe now uses his story and his humor and his business experience to inspire individuals and organizations to achieve their own remarkable goals. Welcome to the show today, Joe.
1: Oh, thanks, Tom. It's great to be here.
0: As I was telling you before the show, uh, your story so much resonates with mine. You know the Napoleon Hill principle of learning from adversity and defeat. And uh, when you go from Skid Row on Vancouver homeless, uh, similar to a story of Franco Day, uh, founder of Second Cup, uh, and then go on to uh, lead a tremendous business and become a millionaire, that's really going from adversity and defeat to, uh, positively. So uh, let's uh, dive into it and I love the Skid Row CEO. That's your website. Uh, Cool moniker, easy for people to remember, so everybody's skidrowceo.com. Now, uh, we were talking uh, before the show, uh, both of us are Napoleon Hill fans, and I always like to find out from people, what age were you when you first read Think and Grow Rich, and was there someone special in your life who said, hey, Joe, you really need to read this book? Yeah,
1: actually, one of the... um it's interesting, Tom. The guy who probably had one of the biggest influences over what I'm doing in my life today was a gentleman by the name of Michael Ballard, a professional speaker out of Toronto, a real great guy. And Michael took me under his wing. We met doing volunteer work. I was still in college. I was in my um, I was in my second year. And I was doing some volunteer work for the Canadian Cancer Society. And I met Michael. And Michael was a cancer survivor. And he had a great story um, about you know, overcoming and, and using his mind to sort of recreate his reality. And, you know, he gave me a whole, uh, he said, look, you can come and work for me, but I need you to read these books first, because you you really need to understand the context of how our business works, because it's a little different than other businesses. And I, I kind of thought, all right, this is a little weird. But, you know, he gave me uh, a number of, of real uh, excellent books to read, and one of them was Napoleon Hill's uh, Think and Grow Rich. Now, Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, along with a couple of other key authors and speakers, um, one being Zig Ziglar, played a a major role in me getting into action very early, Tom, in writing down goals. Now, that was just the first thing. I remember, um, you know, really having this epiphany that if I didn't have a clarity of direction, if I didn't have quantifiable, measurable goals, I would likely still be successful, but I may not get all the, the, the things that I wanted. And so, you know, I, 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 read, I read the books and, and, and I got out a sheet of paper and I, you know, I wrote down, and I'll tell you the story. You know, I wrote down 56 measurable quantifiable goals. And for me, Tom, this was my bucket list. These were the 57 things that I wanted to get accomplished in my life. If I got those 57 things done, I would have been happy. Had you asked me that, um, you know, at at, uh, at 25 years old, but what ended up happening is I forgot about those goals and I tucked them away in a Zig Ziglar book and I I put them on a shelf and uh, along with all my other um, you know personal development and, uh, and and these books and and um, when I was moving into my new office in a home that I had purchased in Vancouver, which was a about a 4,000 square foot home on the on the mountainside overlooking. Um, Mount Baker. I remember opening that book and going through that list, Tom, and I had accomplished uh, 49 of the 57. Oh, wow! And I was 35. And I remember I was sitting there, and it's, it's you know, it's like the, it's like the the story John John Ashraf talks about in The Secret, where he was living in his dream house and on his vision board there was a picture of his dream house. He actually bought his dream house. But there I was in my in the home that I had always envisioned that I could lift you know, own and, and live and and as I went through this, this list it, it became very you know, it came it came crashing in with fearing force that what we think about is what we create. It and thoughts are things.
0: Amen. This uh, is how I, Think and Grow Rich starts thoughts are things.
1: It, it thoughts are things. Thoughts are things. And, and so my story, the story of degradation, hopelessness, pushing a shopping cart. I, I literally lived in downtown east side of Vancouver. I was a heroin addict. I lived underneath the Georgia Street vi- Viaduct. So for, for listeners who have ever been in Vancouver, when they drive in between the two sports stadiums where they play hockey and football, I lived under that bridge. And for years, I got up every morning around 5 o'clock in the morning as the sun was rising over the downtown east side, and I would take my shopping cart, and I would go collect aluminum cans to support a drug habit. And that was my existence. If you would have seen me on the street, you know, 25, 26, 27 years ago in the late 1980s, you would have done everything you could to avoid me. I, I, I wandered around the city mumbling to myself. And, and you know, I, I, I would have pushed against the belief system that anything is possible. And what's so extraordinary about this story is it's not my story, Tom. It's the story of, of the human race. It's that inside each and every one of us, is a moment by moment choice to change and create the world around us by how we think. Hmm. Fortunately for me, you know, I woke up one day and um and I I chose to live differently. And then with the help of some really good people managed to you know to, to turn that, that world inside out and, and began to, to totally move in a different direction. And now
0: you, when you I know,
1: lived you know, through this Sorry go ahead.
0: You mentioned something key there with the help of some important people. That's always a help too, right?
1: Well, it's not always a help for me. It was absolutely critical. I did not have in my toolkit the ability to change the course of my direction on my own. Yeah. We live in the illusion that we're self-sufficient, Tom. But we're not. Especially, you know, for me, I'm one of those kind of type A business guy who thinks he can get it all done by himself and <laughs> you go out into the world and you, you take a run at it but the truth is we're all interconnected and we're all interdependent yeah. upon each other for me I was at a, a place where I really needed a hand up and that, you know when that moment came you know there's a story I tell in my keynote uh, it's the story of the worst day and the best day of my life I walked into a pub Um, around 11 o'clock in the morning on December the 23rd, 1989, it was pouring rain, and I was beginning to descend into the dark despair of withdrawal from from opiates, and the only way I can describe that to your listener is, it's like the worst flu you've ever had in your life, okay? Okay. Hmm. Imagine the worst flu if you've been sick in the last couple of years, or even you know at another time in your life where you're laying on the couch, and you need to do just about anything to get out of that misery. And you times that by about a hundred and you begin to to understand the the hell and the vicious cycle that is drug addiction
2: hmm.
1: and I was broken and I was going through withdrawal, and I needed ten dollars and I walked into this bar and i I did the only I sold the only thing that I had last time I walked out of that bar without my boots had a <laughs> really nice pair of of, uh, of boots and you know Vancouver is a, a climate that doesn't get the harsh winters like Toronto or New York or chicago but it's it's got you know it's got a very cold damp winter and if you don't have proper footwear and you live on the streets you're at a, you're, at a, you're at a great disadvantage now I, wa- I remember walking out that that pub walking up the street and, and uh, you know, tears of shame streamed my, down my face. The rain had me, you know, soaking wet like a drowned cat. And it was in that moment where I became teachable. It was in that moment where I finally said, okay, I, I don't want any more of this. I've had enough of this, okay? <laughs> and it was in that moment where I reached out and I, I called out to, you can define it as a, a cry to the universe or you can you can define it as a prayer to God. Regardless of how you want to frame that, I, I asked for help, and I, and I made a deal on a street corner, and I said, if you give me the opportunity, if you crack the door open just a hair, I promise I will run through the door. I will never look back, and I will make the absolute most of the opportunity. As a direct result of becoming teachable in that moment, some good people did, were attracted into my life, and I got connected with my mom and. I went back to Ontario. I entered into a full residential treatment center, and I stayed there for six months. actually went to Kingston, where I, I went through the detoxification, the physical detox. Mm-hmm. Then I went into a, a residential treatment center in Belleville, Ontario. And, you know, it was from there that I began to bloom and flower. The, the, the next piece of suggestion in my life was, well, Joe, why don't you go back to school? No, I was a high school drop Tom I never really did well in high school I never really saw myself as a <clears throat> someone who who enjoyed going to school and when I went back to university and I went back sorry rather to college and I, I I applied as a mature student and they accepted me and I I, I joined the business marketing program at Loyalist and three and a half years later I graduated with a 3.94 GPA Wow yeah mm-hmm. I was one of those kids I was one of those guys that had failed pretty much at everything in my life yeah i I failed at high school I failed at life i yeah, but you see failure isn't what one of the things that we we do incorrectly, I believe is that we collapse failure. <clears throat> even the word failure has a has a negative tone and connotation to it within our within our Linguistic
2: palette.
1: <laughs> does that make sense? So yeah, failure. Yeah. And the, and the tone of that is bad. Failure bad. But failure isn't bad. Failure is feedback. Yeah. Failure is feedback. So failure tells you which way does not work. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And if we so look behind the lives of successful people, there's a lot of failure in it. But like when they become successful, all people see is a success.
1: Right, and so the key, the instructional key in all of that is use your failure as feedback and stay in action. Because all of those great success stories, and you're absolutely right, the one common thing that they have is they do not collapse failure with feeling bad about themselves or the the climate around them. They simply say, all right, that didn't work. Mm -hmm. Let's move on. What's the next thing that needs to happen? What's the next thing? Great salespeople. But if they knocked on the door and, and they got told no, and they said, "Wow, well, nobody wants to buy my thing," and they tuck their tail between their legs and they go back.
0: Nice. You know, and then you, you mentioned a, you mentioned a few times about being teachable, and when you kind of reached the bottom point, accepted that you needed teaching and mentorship, uh, that becomes an important point. I guess a lot of people when they get into their adversity, whatever it may be, uh, they're not always sometimes that open to being teachable or being mentored. It's kind of like the phrase when the uh, student is ready, the teacher shows up. And so it's important to get to that point where you're willing to learn from people who are willing to mentor you and help you and and I know you feel very strongly about uh, the power of mentorship. I
1: do. I think mentorship is Well, I, I absolutely do. I think that but but the, you're at, you're right. The key is is the openness. You need I wouldn't say let's I'll just talk from from my my personal perspective. The times where I learned most when I'm open to, to to feedback, when I'm open to others speaking into my life, I'm open to others holding me accountable, I'm open to others and giving me suggestions. The illusion of self-sufficiency, and I call it an illusion, is when you think you've got it all figured out and you don't, you know, you don't, you don't you don't accept a lot of input. And wh- when you see that sort of, Opera, you know that that mo that modus operandi. When you see that, uh, and when I when I catch myself doing that, I realize that it's kind of like the metaphor: a parachute only works if it's open.
2: <laughs>
1: the mind only works if it's open. If you're if you're open to new ideas, if you're if you're open to the universe, if you're open to cre- creativity, oftentimes if you're programming your subconscious mind properly and saying, these are the things I want to attract into my life. I want to attract a healthy, happy relationship. I want to attract good health. I want to attract uh, financial wealth and prosperity. I want to attract um, community impact and legacy. Okay, great. <clears throat> but if you knew how to do it, you'd already done it. So you should so say, the universe, this is what I want. Okay, cool. The, the next key step is if you're not open having creative ideas come in somebody says well why don't you go to the singles dance well no I, I, don't, I don't like dancing okay well you've just kind of maybe closed off an opportunity the universe is trying to bring you that relationship that you've asked the universe for
2: mm-hmm. so
1: you're, you're asking but you're not acting And so I mentioned that for, for three and a half years in, in Vancouver I worked with this brilliant psychologist Dr. Sean Richardson now Sean did his PhD in overtraining and he parlayed his, his, his doctorate into coaching senior level executives uh, he, he basically taught me a lot about what I did in my transformation, but, 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 but really viewing it through the lens of behavioral science. And Sean and I created it. Well, he created a model, and then I, I lived through it, and I, I continue to live through that model today. And I want to share it with you, and I want to share it with listeners, because it's, it's really powerful. <clears throat> because it's about the mentorship, but it's about everything. It's like, if you want to achieve big things, people like, say, Joe, how did you go from CEO to CEO? Well, it's the same way you do anything. You, you know, success is incredibly simple, Tom. Choose what you want to do, get busy doing it, and don't stop till you succeed.
2: Hmm.
1: Every hmm. single professional development book that's been written in the last 150 years, that's it. It's a billion-dollar business, and that, that, those are the only really big fundamentals. Choose what right. you want to do, get busy doing it, don't stop The problem is, success is simple. If we were mechanical, but we're not. Human beings bring the drama. We bring the roadblocks. We bring the unteachability. We're the ones that get out of action. We're the ones that get stuck. If you take a look at a guy pushing a shopping cart on the street. Well, that's a guy who's stuck. But it's the same person who's dealing with depression in the workplace. The same person who's had four failed relationships. The same person who doesn't have a prosperity mindset and can't he can't get under uh, out from underneath consumer credit because they. Well, they, they, have, they, just, they, they have these, these, these particular roadblocks in their, in, in their world and they can't seem to, to get past them. So, when you take a look at sort of the the myriad of different reasons why things are going on, that becomes fascinating to me.
2: <clears throat> why
1: do we do the things that we know will put us behind?
2: Yes. Yeah. <clears throat>
1: I'm on a diet. I've made a commitment. And I'm in the, you know, I'm in the, the fast food drive through lineup. Why? <laughs> well it's it's really simple it's, you know we excuse me for a second we bring those roadblocks that prevent the very success that we're trying to attract <clears throat> we bring them situationally but we bring them psychologically and every single one of us has deep seated roadblocks we've been carrying around since we were little kids mm mm-hmm. How we've learned to be at a very young age. I don't want to get too far down a wormhole. This is a, you know, it's a shorter program, so this this would be something that would take, you know, sort of weeks to unpack. But acknowledging that those roadblocks are real and they exist for us, yes, is the first is the first thing. It's like, okay, I've I've not had success with my finances, or I've not had success with my health. Okay, cool. Um. Knowing that that's been a particular hard spot for us helps us say, okay, that's fine. That is what has been in the past. You don't need to let the past write the future. We can write a different story starting in this moment. What is the particular goal? And that's where the think and go rich stuff becomes very powerful. You say, well, the new goal is X. Um, for example, right now, Tom, I'm on a 40-day of a 60-day challenge. In 40 days, the last 40 days, I've had no junk food. I've eaten every single meal, and there's been five a day. So over 200 right choices have been made, and I've walked over 450 kilometers as my primary <laughs> exercise. So <clears throat> I've lost over nine inches on my body, and somewhere around 15 pounds. Now you say, well, that's that's really great. The key is, all right, and this is this is. It sounds simple, but the key is one must stay in action. What are the key things that are necessary for me to be successful in this endeavor is for me to stay in action. So the model that Sean created has three components. And those three components look like, what are the actions I need to take? That's your A. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: What's the reason why I'm going to take these these actions? That's the I. And what are the things that have traditionally gotten me stuck? Those are the R. So the A is action. The I is inspiration or purpose. And the R is the predictable roadblock. And so Sean calls this the Air model. The Air model for success. And that model can be used to manifest anything that you're looking for in life. But the key piece is, right, it's the action plus the inspiration and the removal of roadblocks equals filling the blank.
2: Mm.
1: Financial success, happy, successful, love-filled, love-filled relationship. For me, I never, you know, I've had a lot of success, on, but there's areas in my life that were incomplete. There's areas in my life where I struggle. <clears throat> I get up in front of a group of people as a motivational speaker, and say you can be anything you want and i was 40 pounds overweight (laughs) (laughs) so there was an inauthenticity to that you know what i mean and i had to stare (laughs) at myself in the mirror and say okay well i can afford to keep buying bigger suits but can i afford to continue to live in that inauthentic message and the answer was no but something bigger you get into your mid-40s and you start saying well what are the next 25 years going to look like if I continue to live this way? Am I going to spend the last 10 on medication, in and out of hospitals? You start to look at your own mortality and you say, I I really want to live healthy. This is where the shift happens for me, is that you you get a bigger reason for wanting to stay in action. I think what happens, and it it definitely has happened for me, is that I've gone after the wrong motivation for wanting to create change whether it's money whether it's health um you know whether it's the change in the community i you know for years i would i would join a gym i would get the sneakers I, i'd go out and i'd work really hard for about 10 days two weeks sometimes i would get you know and then i'd fall off the wagon i'd call the pizza place or i'd go to the the drive through window and i wouldn't and so I, I had to reevaluate. And if, if the feelings, the emotion in that roadblock, you, you talked about why do people get stuck? Why do they become unteachable? Because, man, all the emotions that are attached to those failures were time and time again, I've been unsuccessful with these stories in your head that, oh, man, I'm never going to achieve this. I'm never going to, I, I can't do it. But the truth is, is that, the failure is just feedback. Okay, fine. It doesn't matter that you've not done it 147 times in a row. It doesn't matter that you haven't had successful with this for 20 years. You can starting now. Pick a big enough reason. For me, my reason is wanting to live healthily for the love of my life and to be active with my, my, my daughter, Lauren, well into my 70s and 80s. I still want to be climbing the mountains when I'm in my 80s. I still want to be downhill skiing when I'm in my 80s. And I took, the focus, I took the focus off the scale, okay, because it's not about the number. I believe that is the incorrect metric and the reason why we have such a failure to our integrity and in health endeavors in North America is that we focus on that number. Yeah. The problem is, is that if the number is the, is, is the carrot that we're dangling in order to stay in action, to put on the running shoes, to eat right, to go to the gym, when we reach that number, then what? See, if that's
0: yeah. the thing that's driving the behavior, then what? Exactly. I love and the so, keeping in action part. I've been going wow, to the gym for four, 14 years, and a lot of times I don't feel like going to the gym, uh, yeah. but I go to the gym. And a lot of times when I go, then in the middle of working out, I'm like, wow, I'm so glad I went. But most of the time, I have an excuse built in with my rheumatoid arthritis. I'm always in pain, so I can always say I don't feel like going to the gym. But when I do go, and now 14-some years... Uh it becomes a habit. It's an uh, amazing feeling. Hey, Joe, I'm just on your website. And some of the testimonials for your book are amazing. You've got David Sweet. I knew David Sweet many years ago. went to the same church as him. Uh, powerful. Charlie Tremendous. Jones and your book you lucky dog W. Mitchell I love W. Mitchell friend of his he calls me whenever he's in Toronto Uh, so that book Seven Secrets to Profit from Adversity Nido Cobain like people with those kind of testimonials for a book you have to read that book And as you said, everybody's adversity can be different. I'm lucky. I tell people I'm lucky. I have a visible disability. I went like crazy. I'm short. You can tell I have a physical disability. But there's people walking around with adversity daily that they live with that you just can't see. And so everybody needs to learn these seven secrets to profit from adversity because if you're not in the midst of adversity now, sad news, but you will be at some point. So better to learn these before you need them than need them and not have learned them. So Seven Secrets to Profit from Adversity, and guess the best way to get that, Joe, is uh, skidrowceo.com, right?
1: Yeah, they can get it online. They don't have it in the bookstores, but we do have it online, and we also have a, an electronic copy of it as well. They can they uh, they can they can get it online. But, you know, I'll, I'll throw this out, too. If you've got a listener right now, who's sitting at home going, wow, I don't know what my next step is, I'm stuck. Or, you know, we're talking a lot about being stuck in adversity. What if there's listeners out there that are saying, okay, that's great, Joe, but I'm actually killing it. I'm, I'm doing really good, and I want to go to the next level. I'm, I'm happy. I don't feel uh, a lot of adversity or, or, or roadblocks. But I've got this big project I'm working on, or I've got this, this big goal. It's good for that as well. And if you've got a couple people right, right now I know that are listening to this, who who say you know Joe? I really need to get around that you know that thinking that the, you know the secrets that that helps you go from you know being at the lowest possible place that a person can be at in the Western world to you know commanding the attention and corporate leadership within Inside of border. I, I'm interested in knowing what that looks like. I'd be happy to spend. Uh, an e-copy of a book to, to someone who's, who's willing to write you an email that says, you know, I, I need to get my hands on this stuff today. So I'd be happy to do that for you, Tom.
0: Amazing! What a gift! What a gift! And you know, and I know that there are people that will listen that are in that situation, and so that is a tremendous gift and kind of your way of giving back. As you know, someone, as you mentioned, you needed help of others, and you're you're happy to help. And this gives me another topic. It seems from when I'm looking uh, around about you, you love giving back. You have your own foundation, the push for change. Uh, I love volunteering. I grew up in a family of volunteering, but I feel quite sad that when I look around at the vast majority of my friends, they do not volunteer. And who knows how much money they give to charity. And yet, Napoleon Hill talks about going the extra mile. Uh, this is part of going the extra mile, and I wish I could put it into a formula that people would follow, saying, you know, if you put in this money, much time helping others, or this much money, the universe conspires to pay you back. Uh, But there's no formula for it. But talk about the value of giving back and helping others and pulling others up once you've got to the top, like where you are.
1: Well, I think that the reason I hold that value so high in my world is because I I was taught that. You know, I I I the recovery community of which I'm you know, I belong, said, Joe, you know, we'll help you and give you everything you need to get on your feet. And we only got one rule. When you get on your feet there's gonna be another guy behind you and you're gonna help him get on his feet. And then that guy's gonna help the next guy and and so 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 on and so forth so it is a pay it forward model it always has been um it is a testament to the idea that we are one organism we are one thing Mm -hmm. um and so for me it's 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 you know i i when i'm in a, a place of gratitude tom um It's easy for me to say, I want to go and help the next guy and give him the the gift of life, the gift of freedom, the gift of uh, breaking bondage of uh, alcohol and drug dependency, the the gift of discovering what's inside of him or her. I believe my mantra is that there's more inside each of us than we can see. There's Mm -hmm. infinitely more than we can see. You see, probability, Tom, is if it's always been like that, it'll always be like that. You know, probability is based on the past. Possibility is based on imagination. Possibility says, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do <laughs> yeah. so you, And then you invite things outside of yourself. And the universe always, always, always conspires with you for, 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 for success. The answer is always yes. Yeah. Right. The push for change was a dream. I, I did a, a corporate engagement in Montreal where I was involved in youth uh, homelessness initiative, which is something close to my heart. I look at kids on the street, kids that are lost, kids that are confused, kids that have a lot of roadblocks. You take a look at the air model. Or, you know, they're out of action or they're doing the wrong things because of whatever circumstances. Things are bad at home. You know, They're in the wrong crowd. Whatever the reason is, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm not here to judge that. I'm just here to say, look, I believe in you and I want to help you get on your feet. And if you're willing to take that challenge, um, and, and, and you know, you support, support these kids, you know, between the ages of what 12 and 24, there's a good chance that they can transform and they can go on to live a great life. And you know, we want to take a look at getting rid of homelessness and taking a real shot at, at dealing with substance abuse in our in our in our world. We need to get at kids when they're young before they become chronically homeless, before they become yes. wards of the state for the rest of their life, right? And so I said to Sean, I said, "What could we do, Sean, that would?" really raised attention. And he said, well, Joe, you, the symbol of homelessness is the shopping cart. And that's, that's your story. You pushed a shopping cart. He says, and then he said the magic words. We were on a flight to, uh, to Calgary, and he said, Joe, nobody's ever pushed a shopping cart across Canada. <laughs> he said, you know, Terry Fox, he inspired us. I met Terry when I was 13. I met Terry Fox. When he ran through Barry, Ontario, I met him and shook his hand. Wow. And when I wrote my book, Rick Hansen endorsed it. You know, so it's like like, yeah, I've met these two Canadian icons, um, and they've been very much a part of my story. And so, anyways, he said this. He said, Joe, why don't you push a shopping cart? And he was kind of joking. Anyways, the plane landed in Calgary and went on. That was three years ago. So we formed a charity called The Push for Change, and the idea was simple. A push a modified shopping cart across Canada to raise awareness and money for kids at risk and support those organizations like Covenant House, like the Salvation Army, like these many small organizations across the country that are servicing these, <clears throat> these invisible kids on the, on the streets, not just in the big cities, but in the smaller communities, too. And so we, we, you know, we were drunk on that dream, and we said, let's do it. Well, then we said, well, we need to do a, a trial project first. And so <clears throat> two years ago in uh, 2012, we said, okay, let's see if my body can take it, because at the time, Tom, I was 290 pounds. I was really? out of shape. i have never done more than a 10K in my life.
2: Right.
1: And I don't know if you've checked the map, but we live in a kind of a wide country. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very. There's some distance between St. John's and Victoria. So Sean said, well, why don't we do something that will we'll gain attention and we can leverage it to get corporate sponsorship, and we'll see what your body can take. And, and we said, yeah, that's a good idea. And so I pushed a shopping cart on July 1st. 2012 from the city of Calgary to the city of Vancouver in 56 days.
0: Wow!
1: <clears throat> Traveling and, and it, for, for for listeners to this, you can find out all kinds of information on thepushforchange.com or you can go to um, Skidrow CEO. There's there's also and you know, there's a, there's a really cool four minute video that shows the the track from from Calgary to Vancouver. It was absolutely incredible.
0: Wow! Wow! I'm on These the website. I haven't seen that away. video. I'm going to watch it. What's that?
1: It's the people that we met along the way, the experiences that we had, the things that I learned about myself, Tom, about what was really possible. Nice. Um, yeah, I was I was averaging 24 kilometers every single day, which <laughs> um, so is three kilometers more than a half marathon, pushing a shopping cart through the Rocky Mountains. <laughs> and I'm a non-athlete. Yeah. yeah, I'm a non-athlete. I'm a, I'm a guy you, you would you know, this guy's not going to finish. <laughs> and now we're building a national campaign. We're attracting corporate sponsorship. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that, that, that national campaign will com- commence on, on the 1st of May, 2016. So uh, two years ago, this past May, out of St. John's. And I'm going to push a shopping cart 9,000 kilometers across 10 provinces, including one Canadian winter. And, and the entire campaign should take about 16 to 17 months because I'm, I'm not moving oh. that quickly. Wow.
0: Wow. So I won't I'm be joining you to, on that trip. Well, you can go for a kilometer
1: or two. Come on out. <laughs> I'll enjoying, drive alongside uh, you. Yeah, sure. Come, come <laughs> join the the caravan. We've got the RV. It's already been donated. We've got a, a driver. His name's Rob Cook. He's he's a good friend of mine. He was the driver in the in the trial. But all of that is my give back. Now, maybe your thing isn't homeless kids. I get it. No problem. But maybe your thing is cancer. Maybe your thing is hunger. Maybe your thing is palliative care. I don't know. And it doesn't really matter. No, it doesn't. What does matter? It's that you become a greater human being when you put something back into our world, into our mm-hmm. society, when you put something back and it makes you better. The reward for being generous is being generous. The reward oh, I like that for being the generous. Reward for being the generous reward for being
0: generous, generous is being generous. Wow. You get
1: to feel that. And that right. emotion is gratitude. And all of the stuff that we soak ourselves in on um, personal development it says the number one thing that you need to have in order to be successful in life is you need to have a grateful heart you need right. to accept and thank the universe for the stuff that it's already given you and attract more of what it is that you like
0: yes what,
1: what better way to stay and feel grateful but to help help out the person next, next to you
0: exactly and no matter what adversity we go through when we do that and help other people um It puts often into perspective our own challenges and gives us a little bit more inspiration and hope that, yeah, okay, we're all in this together. This is my challenge. That's that person's challenge. But uh, together, we'll get through it.
1: You mentioned Charlie Tremendous Jones. I'll tell you the story around Charlie. Charlie, you know, he he passed away a couple years ago. He was probably one of the most impactful people in my life. Me too. And he only spent about 14 minutes with me, Tom. Wow. And I met him through Peter Legg. He was Dr. Peter Legg in Vancouver. He's a friend of mine. He also wrote the foreword for the book. And they had a big CAPS conference, the Canadian Association of Professional Speakers in Vancouver. And, and, and Charlie came out and he did his keynote. Just a really extraordinary guy. And I, I went up to him afterwards and I would just written the book. And I said, do you know, Charlie, I'd really love it if I can get a couple of kind words. And he grabbed me by the shoulders. And, you know, Charlie was this larger-than-life this man of faith and this man of courage and a man who had a way of being able to touch another human being in a deep and profound way. And I believe that it's because of his love of God. Yeah. And he grabbed me by the shoulder and he looked at me and he said, Joe, you know what the greatest tragedy of life is? And I said, no, Charlie, what? He said that there's billions of people who will not get to know how extraordinary you are. That's for all of us, okay? My story, Tom, your story, stories like this, it's not my story. It's the story that we can overcome, that we are extraordinary. We're extraordinary in God's eyes. We're extraordinary in the universe's eyes. We are walking, living, breathing consciousness. And there's often so much more to us and the things that happen and the emotions and stories that we create about that. And when, right. when we begin to find the doors, those small doors that open into big places, we look back and we say, wow, I am always greater than the sum of adversity. There is more inside each and every one of us than we can see. And if we can take these stories, it's not my story, it's the story of overcoming, and simply get into some action. You you will be absolutely amazed. How do you do it? Choose what you want to do. Write it down. Get somebody to be accountable. You know, get a coach, get a mentor, somebody you can check in with. Because oftentimes that's what happens: is we, we we're good at setting goals. We know what we need to do. You don't need to ask people in North America about what's good food to eat and what's bad food to eat. We know that. Our problem is integrity to the action. Exactly. Exactly. Get that good mentor, and you check in and what happens is the more action you take, the roadblock shrinks until one day, you know, these things that look insurmountable, whether it's depression or whether it's, you know, I'm having trouble making the gym or I'm having trouble making my cold calls or I'm having trouble getting this project off the ground. I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. You know, all these things, they, they push in and you know, the It's just the tapestry of human emotion that gets us out of action. But accountability mm-hmm. is the key. How I got 40 days in a row not eating junk food and staying, you know, staying, uh, having integrity. You know how I did it, huh? I used Facebook as a public accountability tool. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> I went on, I went on I said, this is what I'm doing, guys. Yeah. And I yeah. promise to tell you if I eat the pizza or I eat the burger. I promise. I promise I'll be straight up with you. 40 days. I've never had that big of a... You sound silly, right? 40 days of not eating junk food. Who cares, right? But for me, you know what, man? That's big. Because I've always used food as a as a as an emotional shifter. I've always used food like a drug. When I'm scared I overeat. When I'm excited I celebrate with bad food. You know, it's sort of the last frontier for me. If I want to be healthy and happy later on in life, I need to I need to nip this behavior in the bud. And so it needs relentless action.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Relingless and in the face
1: of all that action, guess what's happened to my roadblock? It's gone away. Yeah. I went to a the theme park with my, my little girl yesterday, Lauren. We went to Canadian, Canada's Wonderland. And there's another roadblock. I don't know if any of the listeners can identify, but I don't really like roller coasters, but she can, and she really does like roller coasters. So, I think I had my eyes open in one or two of them, but uh, anyways, I digress. But going to this place where at every corner there's ice cream and pizza and <laughs> and french fries and i'm eating smoked salmon out of the trunk of my car and cottage oh. cheese and bananas and but you know what i had a big enough reason and so i made it work and it's just about staying in action regardless of how you feel
0: Regardless of how you feel, regardless of how you feel, you've decided you want to do something, you have big whys. Do it no matter how you feel. But Tom, I'm tired. But Tom, I'm dizzy no matter how you feel you just do it and I think uh, that's one of the keys to success successful people do what unsuccessful people don't do and, and don't like to do and successful people don't like to do it either but they do it because they know it's part of being an overall success and contributing the most to, suci- to society and uh, of the God-given talents and gifts they've been given so, yeah, no matter how you feel, keep in action, never give up. Well, Joe, thanks so much for your time today. Again, everybody, Skid Row, uh, Seven Secrets to Profit from Adversity. Uh, check that out. Look up his uh, The Push for Change Foundation. Um, and as Joe said, whether it's The Push for Change or Palliative Care or some cancer, arthritis society in my case, Just do something. Go out and help people. Give up your time and give up your money. And there's no scientific formula behind it, but the universe rewards people who help other people. And so SkidrowCEO.com. Joe, uh, what's coming up for you uh, speaking-wise over the next little bit?
1: Um, Got a couple of public events. I do a lot of private stuff. I do a lot of corporate and association stuff, but I'm just looking at August next. Uh, on the 15th, I'm doing a, a Rotary event in Toronto. Um, you can find that on the website. I'm also um, another big Rotary event. I'm speaking at the um, at the 7080 District in Guelph. I think you're a part of that, uh, if, if I'm correct, Tom. That's going to be happening on the 20th of September.
0: Yeah, that's um, my district.
1: Yeah. So there's you know there's a number of different things. Uh, if anybody's interested in, in uh, I don't do a lot of uh, public stuff, but uh, I, like I say, I do a lot of private um, businesses and and, uh, and and that sort of thing. But if someone's interested, have them shoot you a line or, or go onto the website and We've got a live calendar, yeah. and uh, we try and do a, a real good job. But if there's a question about any of that, feel free to email either myself or Marie. We'd be happy to inform any listener as to when we'll be in their area and when they can come out and, and see me. And, um,
0: yeah. That would be amazing. I'm on it right now, Rotary 7080. And I see that there, September uh, 20th, uh, which is my Rotary group so area. So hopefully I'll be able to see and support you on that. I uh, love being a Rotarian. I uh, just uh, joined this year, and obviously you... Uh, are familiar with them as well. Great organization. So, again, SkidrowCEO.com. Everything about Joe is there. His calendar of upcoming events, his books, uh, his story, uh, some amazing videos, and his foundation as well. Thanks so much, uh, Joe. I always love uh, interviewing fellow Canadians, and when their story focuses on adversity and overcoming adversity, uh, it is close to my heart and my story so some of my favorite interviews so thank you so much for your time and have yourself an amazing day
1: you too thanks Tom take care see you back